Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Rock Podcast. I'm joined by Joey Haney. Joey, how are you? I'm doing great this morning, Mark. How are you? Good, good. It's early there for you, uh, about 9.30 in the morning, 10.30 my time. Yeah. Joey, of course, is in, yeah. in Texas. Where exactly in Texas are you, Joey? I'm right between Dallas and Fort Worth. I live in the mid-cities, suburban area between those two major towns. Okay. And I'm uh, we're actually going out to Dallas tonight because it's like Christmas today. It's a uh, kiss tonight. Oh, wow. Cool. It's arena. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, enjoy that. I've uh, been watching some of the clips online and, and just seeing people's pictures that they're posting. And this is this is it for kiss. Uh, I'm curious to see how long the tour goes. I know they said three years which I'm guessing there'll be a big break in there and then they'll come back for kind of one last sweep. But um, yeah, man, that's, that's exciting. So I, I hope you have a great time at the concert tonight. And it is interesting because we're going to talk about Motley Crue today. And I guess we'll start off by, by the kiss Motley Crue thing, you know, Tommy and especially Nikki, it seems like they've been kind of, I don't know what the word would be, uh, criticizing Kiss a little bit, accusing Kiss, let's let's use that word, of ripping them off, which I find kind of a little funny and, and ironic, actually. And there was a yeah. shot that one of them posted where there, there's a, you know, a similar look to the, the crane that's holding one of the guys up. And they're, they're basically accusing Kiss of ripping off their Motley Crue farewell tour. Any any thoughts on that? Of course, if anybody doesn't know any background about me, I'm a fan of both bands. I'm definitely a bigger Kiss fan, so I'm probably going to be more likely to take their side. But at the same time, I think seniority calls for taking Kiss's side of most of this stuff because I do believe that Kiss was using cranes in 1977, <laughs> as early as yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so – to me, it's just so goofy that Motley is somehow – accusing Kiss of ripping them off when so much of Motley's early career, you know, the the press accused them of, of stealing from Kiss, which in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, I know Motley had other influences besides Kiss, but but <clears throat> Kiss was definitely a big influence on Motley, you know, so. Yeah, and even Mickey's sure. talked about this in extent in interviews over the years. I feel like maybe even the fact that he heard it so much early in his career that it kind of almost made him back off of Kiss in a way. Because bands tend to do that, which is why, like, you know, we talked about Greta Van Fleet so much over the last few shows. You know, they're backing off the Zeppelin thing. But like, he does the same thing and has done the same thing with Kiss. Now, in times through his career, when it served him well, he has been a big, huge onboard fan of Kiss, you know, like when they tour together or like when Gene and Paul used to go on his radio show, you know, things like that. And he's, you know, so this really, to me, just reeks of having something to talk about to promote this film, honestly. Yeah. And at first I didn't believe that. Like, I would think, oh, no, they're, they're just getting asked about it. But honestly, the way that Nikki has been mentioning it and Tommy, it almost seems like it's calculated. Like, okay, if we criticize or accuse Kiss of stealing from us, that's going to get some headlines, which in turn is going to promote the dirt, which of course the trailer coincidentally just dropped this past week. Um, yesterday, uh, from the day we were recording that, I think it dropped on 219, uh, February 19th. So mm -hmm. it's it's all very 
interesting timing. Yeah, convenient timing. Anyone who is thinking that that Kiss ripped off Motley Crue, I think, is out of their mind. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, it's so silly. And the one thing I could say, maybe Kiss witnessed the success and saw, oh, Motley Crue did this final tour. You know, we need to do something on that scale. But there's no way they they sat down and studied Motley Crue's stage design and and exactly what they were doing. It's absolutely ridiculous. I was about to say, like, I did attend the Motley Farewell tour. Me too. And I I did definitely see, like, you know, hey, these guys really put a lot into the stage show. It was, you know, there was things I had never seen in a stage show before. But, you know, as it goes... You know, of course, Alice actually is the guy that really invented and perfected the big stage show. Kiss kind of refined it in a way. But, you know, what I saw the Motley thing. And I was like, man, they 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 put a ton of money into this. Obviously, it's a great stage show. You know, they definitely deserve the credit for putting something good together for their farewell tour. And, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Like you said, I'm sure somebody saw it. It was like, hey, you know, maybe we could take something from that. I mean, it's it, that's very possible. But. It's not a direct ripoff or anything, at least not yeah. anything that I've seen. And I don't even know if this is true, but, you know, there was this photo, again, that Nikki Six posted of the two different cranes, which look like they're identical. The crane that was lifting Nikki Six up on the Motley Crew farewell tour and the crane that was, like, lifting up Gene Simmons or Paul or something on the Kiss farewell tour. And somebody in the comments section pointed out that Trans-Siberian Orchestra also had the exact same crane on their uh, recent Christmas um, run. So, and they also pointed out that this is just a common crane now that's, that's used and it wasn't kissing. We need that exact crane. The same one Motley Crue has anyways, enough of that. Motley (laughs) is a band that, that I love one of my, uh, I would say most important bands in, in my life. They were the first rock concert that I attended back in 1984 on the Shout at the Devil tour. After they toured with Ozzy, they went out on some headlining dates, and that's where I saw them. And it was a life-changing time, a life-changing concert for me. I have lots of memories of that night, seeing them for the first time at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago in 1984. And they were such an important band to me and continue to be as you know and kiss was too kiss was too so they were very very important bands to me and i i love motley Crue. i do have some issues with with certain things that they've done through the years like i do with any band that that i have so much love and passion for so let's let's having said that let's start with the dirt trailer the dirt is coming out on netflix i think netflix as far as taking television to a new place, I mean, they're not traditional television. They're not traditional movies. There's this new platform of delivering content to us, and they have really, really done great job, a great job with their their original programming. They they do amazing work with their documentaries. I'm, my wife and I are watching a real dark documentary series called the i think it's called the keeper right now on uh, netflix which is just disturbing but uh, a fantastic watch uh 
about the uh, the archdiocese in the Baltimore area and a murder of a nun. It's very interesting. However, having said that, they just Netflix is, has has really raised the bar with delivering great content, um, and they are the ones that will be premiering. I think it's on March twenty second. The Dirt, the story of Motley Crue, a great great book. The Dirt was a number of years ago oh. and, and really raised the bar. Again, that book, as far as rock uh, biographies go. So really, right now, all we have to judge by is is the trailer, which I've watched. I think you've watched it, Joey. So let me ask you, yes. what are your initial feelings as a Motley Crue fan on the trailer for The Dirt? Well, it definitely seems like it's going to be a lot better than the Def Leppard movie that VH1 produced a couple of years ago, or I guess like okay. almost 20 years Which ago Which isn't now. saying much, yeah, but okay. No, it's not saying much, but I think everybody was kind of expecting that uh, almost. That's but this is Netflix, not VH1. Sure. I mean, Netflix is is, is high-end sure. programming, in my in my opinion, but okay, okay. And, and yeah, no, no, I, I was just kind of trying to make a joke there. That was the last one I remember about a band that I really love, you know, coming out in that, this kind of a sort of a format. So... That being said, you know, I'm definitely excited because it's attached to Netflix. I think this is the best possible move that they could have gone with this film because they've been trying supposedly to make this movie basically since the book has been out, which has now been since about the year 2000. And I've seen everybody attached from uh, like at one point Rob Zombie was going to do it. Even Tarantino might have been able to do something with it. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this, but. The trailer to me, it actually looks like it's going to be pretty decent. I'm sure, you know, much like we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody, the timelines will probably be a little skewed here and there, which is what you kind of have to do now to tell a story in under two hours or what have you. But it seems like the trailer definitely did hit upon all the major things that even to the novice or very low, you know, low level fan would know about Motley. They've they focused on, uh, you know, the Nikki overdose, the Vince car crash, Tommy and Heather Locklear's marriage, even mixed health uh, issues. So right now, to me, that's basically like the main things you definitely did need to hit on. Oh, and of course, the Skylar Neal stuff. Um, so everything that is important to their the major part of the Motley story looks like it will be at least addressed in the film. So I don't think there'll be too many complaints on that end. I'm sure hardcore fans like you and me will probably be sad that they won't be able to probably, I, I would think, probably get into, you know, like the John Karabi era, perhaps, or maybe even a little bit more into, you know, maybe what happened with Ozzy, you know, things like that. I mean, they may. Yeah, I think they'll get into that, that because they're making a big deal out of whoever the guy is who's playing Ozzy in the film. Yeah. So I think they'll yeah. definitely hit hit upon the Ozzy stuff. Um yeah, I, I, you know, finish up what you're saying, because I want to address my thoughts on it, I, I, but I don't want to cut you off. No, no, yeah, but like, I mean, I was I was glad that the production looked like they at least put some money into it. So, you know, the it's definitely paramount that they look really good when they're on stage because they always had a great stage show and they always had that larger than life feel. They were that hard rock band in the eighties that really, you know, carried the torch for arena rock. I, I believe that as far as like, you know, kind of always leaning into the heavy metal, but not quite being heavy metal, but being okay with the association it was that's what makes motley really unique and why there wasn't a whole lot of bands before them or after them that were like that so i'm, I'm excited about the film I, I was a little cynical early on but 
once I saw the trailer, I was like, hey, this, you know, this looks like it might actually be good. And, you know, any doubts I had about the cast, I mean, they seem to be pulling it off pretty well in the trailer. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I totally respect everything you're saying. I, I, however, like I'm a little bit the opposite of you where where I was kind of excited for this and, and knowing Netflix was behind it. I thought, wow, this is going to be cool. However, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, shit, this is this is not good. Um, and again, I hope they get the story right. And, you know, even if they don't and like the Queen movie, if things are fudged a little bit, I can be forgiving on that. I get that. However, I'm much more of a hardcore Motley fan than Queen fan. So maybe I would be less forgiving on any timeline issues if that does happen. I don't know that sure. it will. I, here, Here's my problem with the trailer. The, the And this goes into a bigger problem that I have with Nikki specifically and Tommy in general who I love dearly, love those guys. And, you know, they're, they're my rock stars. I think they're so freaking badass in real life and everything that they've, they've gone through. However, they seem to not be in to their past. They have like, you know, with kiss, there was a time where in the late 80s, Kiss was able to, after being, you know, late 80s, early 90s, after being very embarrassed by what they did in the 70s, because that wasn't cool in the 80s, Kiss embraced those songs again. And eventually, in the mid-90s, the, even that look, you know, went back and put the makeup on after they were so embarrassed by the makeup and what they did in the 70s that they were, you know, releasing Creatures of the Night with a new cover where there was, where they weren't wearing makeup, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. but Motley Crue has never seemed to come to terms with certain elements of, of what they did and what they represented in the eighties. And the fact that when they did that farewell tour, they had to play the industrial version instead of the straight version of shout at the devil is a perfect example of that. Now in the trailer, what I'm seeing is the costumes are all wrong. Uh, Motley yeah, Crue had yeah. big hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mushroom exactly. cloud hairdos that were yeah. freaking badass, in my opinion, that that, that went from the uh, first album all the way through Girls, Girls, Girls. The, the, the glam image definitely got a little more less and, and got a little more street on Girls, Girls, Girls. However, from, you know, uh, Too Fast for Love through theater, through the end of the Theater of Pain tour, this, their look was so outrageous. And the look I'm seeing in the trailer is not representing that. It, it wasn't near, it was tamed down, watered down. They almost looked like, like the Runaways, uh, you know, 70s yeah. image as opposed to what Motley Crue was. And I believe that this goes back to the fact that they, that, you know, Tommy and even Nikki, you know, they, they want to be, oh, we're contemporary, we're cool, you know, and, yeah. and they they are always looking to what the younger, newer bands are, are currently doing instead of what they did back then, which was far cooler than anything that anybody's done since. You know, I mean, that's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but still, I, I just, the, you know, my friend said, well, you know. I think they got, you know, maybe they were a little glammy at, at Theater of Pain. No, they were 
They were <laughs> totally <laughs> glammy before Theater of Pain. I mean, yeah. you know, Theater of Pain got a little more feminine with the pink as opposed to the yeah. leather and, and stuff. But they they were totally glammed out for the first half of the 80s. And I just have this bad feeling that, you know, they're, they're not going to embrace the 80s styles uh, in this movie. And... I, I think they're going to try to make their, themselves look a little bit more, I don't know, like late 80s or 70s era street look. And to me, you could be like, oh, well, who cares as long as the story's right and stuff. But I don't know. To me, this is a big warning sign. And it plays right. into this bigger narrative that, that Nikki and Tommy seem to have where they where they're unable to embrace the first half of the the 80s. For what it actually was, they, and and I fear there's going to be revisionist history in this because I'm already seeing it in the trailer, and I don't like it. I, I think I think the their their look on Shout at the Devil, on Too Fast for Love, and even on Theater of Pain, which I remember seeing when I bought Theater of Pain the first day it came out, looking yeah. at that back album cover, thinking, "Wow, they're going someplace even further with this than they were on Shout at the Devil," and everyone yeah, thought. Hands. That, yeah, and everyone thought that, that Vince Neil looked like a chick on Shout at the Devil, but it was like, you know, they took it to a new place with Theater of Pain. And that was because at that time, this is speculation on my part, they saw what was going on on the strip. You know, they saw Poison wasn't, you know, wasn't signed yet, but Poison was the biggest band on, on the Sunset Strip. And there were other bands oh, yeah. that were taking that that feminine image to a new place. And I think... Just like the Beatles, who were tied into the psychedelic movement that they didn't start back in the '60s, but they they tapped into, and in some ways did it better than any of the the psychedelic bands actually did. But they were very tied into what was going on on the street, and I feel like Motley was very tied in and aware of what these younger bands were doing, the bands that were about to break, and that they, they that's why they pushed their glamness to a new place with theater of pain anyways this is stuff i suspect you won't hear anything about in in the movie and they're going to totally ignore and not embrace the glam metal image that they had back in those times and uh, that concerns me for the overall picture and 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 besides that i didn't think and again you kind of disagree with me here which is totally cool but i didn't think the production value looked all that great from what i saw in the trailer and again it was a, you know what a the 2 minute trailer so we can't judge it completely but after seeing it i'm i'm nervous for this thing and uh, i i hope they do get the story right but I, i'm already a little nervous about it yeah. hey those are all good points and you know i've always long maintained that even the girls, girls, girls era image wise was just as right. contrived and calculated as theater of pain was because yes. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. That's an interesting time right there, especially in the California music scene where everybody started to quote, embrace the blues a little bit, you know, like that's a weird yeah. thing that I, I, I wish I knew where that came from. But you can see it in a lot of pop culture and in films and stuff like that, that there's like rock, but there's, you know, they're all playing slides now. And, you know, I, I definitely give credit to Tom Kiefer. He seemed to be one of the guys that brought that into that subgenre early on. Uh, but I always wonder where that kind of 
okay, we're doing this now. That always that that fascinates me to this day that it went from like pure glam to like, hey, you know, no, we like the blues. You know, even Poison did it. And, you know, like right. so that anyway, that's kind of a sidebar, but yeah, uh, no, yeah, I hear. I, I I think it's gonna you know, there's that moment in the trailer where they're walking down this uh, you know the hallway about to go on stage, you know, doing the walk. And I'm like, that looks like Motley from the Generation Swine tour, but I bet you anything it's not going to be in the film. I, I did think that immediately, though. You know, right. that, that'd be funny. It's probably going to be like Dr. Feelgood or something, <laughs> which, you know, but like Mick had the biggest hair. As Like, I remember his hair being like, yeah, like I said, the mushroom thing. He had that during Feelgood. And. You know, there was that time, like I said, during Shout the Devil, where you could not tell Tommy and Nikki apart really at all during Shout the Devil or Theater of Pain. Right. If they just walk, walked by real quick, or there was a quick shot in the video. There was always those that, yeah. So, yeah, and, and they've always, Nikki especially, because, you know, he's the de facto leader of the band, apparently, and he's always put himself out there as such. Uh, definitely always uh, desperate to be relevant in any time frame of music, you know, and even during like when they had crew fest because they did that for quite a few years. Yeah. I remember I, the, I remember Nikki saying in the dirt, especially, you know, when we were out there, the label would always put us with these like hair bands that we didn't want to be associated with. We'd rather be torn with, you know, guys like Iggy pop and his and stuff like that. And not that I'm saying he's not a fan of those bands, but when they had their chance to do that and they were calling their own shot, what did they do? They picked, the hair metal bands of that day as far as like, yeah. Hey, these are the bands that are on the radio, like, like Papa Roach or something. Wasn't yeah, that on one of the, exactly. yeah, it's like, my yeah, God, and, talk about to me, freaking uncool. I mean, anyone who didn't realize Papa Roach was a fucking joke when Papa Roach was popular is, is completely <laughs> clueless. I mean, yeah. listen, it's I no mean, they should have no been out with Cinderella people. and, and, you know, I'm trying to think of who else, like Pussycat was a good uh, fit oh, because you know, you know, like you know, they toured with Guns during Girls, Girls, Girls. I mean, those those made sense, you know. Like yeah, so like they had like you know Warrant and people like that during the Feel Good era, and he complained about that. But I'm like, Papa Roach is no different than Warren as far as your timeline goes. It's just you know, it's worse. It's a different. It, yeah, exactly. What I'm saying is like, but they he complains about. You know, like, no, we're more punk rock than that. And I always think that that's a real contrived thing that Nicky always – he thinks more of himself and his band by, like, being like, oh, no, we're yeah, more well, like this he's so insecure. That. It's like this insecurity yeah. that that he's constantly trying to prove how cool he is when it's like I, – I respect Vince Neil. And, I mean, like, you know, I, I there's so many things about him I don't respect, honestly. Yeah. But there's so <laughs> many – having said that – He's just I, – I cannot wait to see him at M3 just be fat, come out there just completely fat, out of tune and freaking hopefully drunk and, and just rip through some of those songs and just be who Vince Neil is. You know, instead of trying so hard to be like the cool guy, it's like I just feel like like Vince doesn't fucking care. You know, Vince Vince is – out of all of them, I feel like he's the guy who like really embraces – all that shit that they that they did back in the day. He's not trying to be, you know, cool to you know twenty somethings, you know. So yeah, 
Yeah. He's 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 laid back Mr. California. I think that's why him and Piercy were always such good friends cuz they're kind of the same kind of guy. Like, hey, if I can do my own show, that's great. Where's the stage? Right. That's right. that's all they've ever been about, whether you love them or hate them and yeah, Vince has never been and he's not obviously not a great human being. Uh they will probably leave out a ton of stuff in this film. Um but he's even he's way worse than even what they're going to depict uh, for sure. Right. But yeah, as far as the way he approaches music and everything, it's just like, hey, man, where's the gig? He's just one of those guys. He's a Jeff Spicoli. Like, totally. he is the embodiment of Jeff Spicoli. <laughs> so, totally. You got to yeah. love Vince. And I love all the guys, Mick, Tommy, oh. and Nikki. I love Motley Crue. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, they're absolutely one of my favorite bands of all time. And it's funny. to Let's just end on this. You mentioned the Girls, Girls, Girls album, or maybe I mentioned it. I'm not sure. It's interesting because out of all the, the albums in their catalog, well, I mean, what was – I? I you know, all the popular albums, all the classic yeah. albums. That's the one I don't really go back to that much. And I'm looking over the track listing right now. There was some good stuff on that wild side I liked. Of course, the Girls, Girls, Girls. But it always – kind of gets panned i i remember all, you're all i need was a kind of a nice ballad jailhouse rock the elvis cover was on that yeah. which is a song they'd been playing on the theater of pain tour they had been that was included in the set list i believe without yeah. googling it i believe that was part of the set list on the theater of pain tour and they included it on the next record girls girls yeah. girls uh dancing on glass uh, wasn't a bad song yeah, yeah i like record. that all in the name of rock and roll you know it's, it's a fun it's a fun little record you know i, I don't you know, it's it came in between and it was a big moment for them. I mean, I can't remember like watching MTV during 1987. There was almost not a time where you didn't see either the girls, girls, girls or Wildside video. Yeah. And Wildside's still one of the best performance clips you'll ever find of all time. It's just yeah. amazing. They it's all out there like the whole show in three minutes. It's great. But it's interesting, um, you know, nowadays when I go back and pull pull albums to listen to from their catalog, it's almost exclusively the first three albums and then Dr. Feelgood. Those are like my go-to Motley Crue records. Uh, sure. You know, and, and I'm a fan of the Karabi album. I love the Karabi oh, album. Oh, yeah, that's I a great even, one, the I even, love, I even love three quarters of Generation Swine. I think that album is... Yeah, a lot is, of people uh, hate I'm, that one. I saw them on yeah. that tour. I actually was at the like Letterman performance that they, they did for that. And I really liked Afraid. I thought that was that was a, a fun song uh the the title track i believe was good too yeah, yeah. so i i really i didn't uh have a big problem with that album How, however i haven't listened to it in years i should go back and give it a listen um yeah. the one that i was listening to a number of years ago was new tattoo which was the tommy lee less yeah. album of motley crew and that, even that had some okay songs on on it yeah uh, yeah, liked I've, about three or four songs on that. Rainy yeah. Castillo did a fine job. I saw that tour as well. The the now infamous tour they did with Samantha Maloney. She was awesome on that tour. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's a DVD if you want to see footage of that. She did awesome. But yeah, it's uh, I I didn't. Um, yeah, I those are the albums I tend to go back to a lot. I, I'm more of a fan than I think a lot of other people are for sure. Uh, but yeah, I just. I, I'm a, I'm just a little I guess I'm just excited about the film just to see what they don't talk about as much as what they do talk about yeah. and I'm probably gonna reread the book between now and then too because I mean the book I mean that definitely reset the tone for rock bios I mean it definitely outdid Hammer of the Gods as far as debauchery goes 
Uh, I have to give one of my uh, ex coworkers credit here. This guy, Sean, Sean Leesman, he's, he gave the best review of any book I've ever read. And it was this book. So he's not a fan. Okay. He's like more of a punk rock guy. Uh, and I was like, Hey man, you really got to check this book out. I was in the middle of reading it and I was like, just recommending it to everybody, of course. And so about a couple of weeks go by and we're working together again. And he goes, Oh yeah, by the way, I I'm reading the Motley book now. I found it and uh, I'm getting through it right now. And I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. What do you think? Here's the review. This should have been on the paperback. Well, I'm about okay. a, a fifth of the way through it right now, but I got to tell you, when you have stolen the clothes of a homeless woman, you have no more taboos left in your life. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's <That's> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So thanks, Sean, for that. that. Like I said, that should have been on the paperback. Like Absolutely. That's, that's a great <laughs> quote. Definitely. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap it there. We uh, are both excited to watch The Dirt on Netflix. March 22nd is indeed the the date that that it is released. And I guess it's it's just a a movie. It's not like, and, you know, a lot of times they'll break stuff into like episodics or episodes, but I guess it's just a movie. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah but that's the other thing it. I was going to say, I wish it was kind of, I honestly wish they, they could definitely do this in mini series form. Yeah, I that's mean, what I, I'm trying to I, say. Mini series. Yeah. I, re, I, I realized their budget probably didn't call for that, but I'd take a slightly less better production to tell the better story in form of mini series. Cause there's definitely four major, arcs in their timeline but you know hey that's just me that's a that's that's fan talk though right so right yeah and i, I think you're probably right the the karabi era will probably be glossed over pretty pretty quickly in the movie but but we shall see we shall see that's a, a lot of history to get into a, a two-hour movie so uh it should be interesting and again march 22nd on netflix the dirt which is the story of of motley crew and we will all be watching uh, Joey, until next time, uh, thanks so much for joining me here on the Talking Rock Podcast. Always fun. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>